Welcome to the Photography Opinion Podcast. We discuss all things photo, video, and camera related. I'm Ben Lucas. And I'm Stuart Marlantis. And this is PhotoLog. Hello, photographers. So last episode, we talked about what lens should you get. Uh, The one that I didn't mention is a coffee cup. (laughs) Um, But today we are going to talk about something that uh, I think will be helpful and interesting. So photographer's block, like writer's block, but for photographers. What is it? How do you get through it? Well, photographers, like any uh, creatives, um, get to points in their work where they feel blocked. They feel like um, they can't produce anything. And that is what we're going to discuss today. Figuring out um, why you're stuck and maybe things you can do or things you can try to get through that. Uh, So that's the show today. It's going to be hopefully a good show. I've certainly experienced block. I'm sure you have been. And uh, hopefully we can help you get through it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I th- let's start with kind of like why do you get stuck? Mm-hmm. So I think that the two main reasons why people actually get stuck, um, one is you fall into a routine. So if you're a professional full-time photographer and let's say all you shoot is bottles, it's just bottle, 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 and then... By the way, you say that word too many times in a row, it loses all meaning. I think that's called semantic satiation. I think that's the term for that. I could be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, like, if you're a portrait photographer and you just do headshots and you keep doing headshots, you keep doing headshots and you've shot, you know, 80 realtors by now and mm-hmm. you're kind of just bored of doing these, you know, stand and stare at the camera headshots, um, Falling into that routine and feeling the lack of creativity in your work can lead to photographer's block. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I think kind of hits people is fear of failure. Um, this one is the easiest to address, but the hardest to actually get over. Yeah. So routine is easy. You just break out of your routine, and we have a lot of tips on things you can do to help with that. The fear of failure one... My advice is super easy to say and super hard to implement. Uh, just realize you're going to suck yeah. and you don't have to show everything. <laughs> yeah, this is this is a big one for me. This is uh, certainly my biggest one. Um, fear of failure is a constant one that causes block to this day. It is not one that is easy for me to get over. Um, and uh, yeah, you just kind of have to accept that you're going, your work is going to suck or not necessarily that your work is going to suck, but that you will perceive that your work sucks. Like it might be totally brilliant, brilliant. But as we've talked about before, your, as you get good at something, your uh, perception, your taste in that field outstrips your ability. And so things always seem, your work always seems to suck and you're always... Uh, fearful of that perceived failure, even if it might not actually be a failure. So uh, the first biggest step is realizing that you are your own harshest critic and that's part of the experience. And that's just something that is, is just a thing in your work and always probably will be. Um, and that's okay. Um, this so is like it's, the it's third time that we've brought this up yes. on the show. But I do have something new to add. Uh, mm-hmm. Google Dunning-Kruger effect. Dunning-Kruger effect. Um, is that the one where you... Uh, as soon as who... you learn a little bit about something, you reach 
peak stupid. Yeah. And then as soon as you learn a little bit more, you're like, oh, I actually don't know anything about yep. this. And then you're stuck in that forever. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's just how it is. And the, the only way I think to think about that one is, one, it's okay if you feel like your work is terrible. Um, it isn't actually. You're just going to feel that way. And uh, two, the putting work out is far more important than um, believing that that work is not up to your own personal standards. So the the worst of those two options is definitely not to do anything and that you should be af- afraid of not doing anything more than you should be afraid of your perception of your output. For sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, think, I think the other part that goes with fear of failure is it's not just, you know, your perception of stuff, but mm-hmm. it's... If this is bad, why even bother? Well, you yeah. bother because you're going to learn things. You're going to try new things. It will help you get out of that rut. And maybe it won't be bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So exactly. um, one, one example that we have is uh, I wanted to do an underwater fashion shoot, which none of you will ever see because it was a complete and utter <laughs> failure. <laughs> We might reattempt that at some point. Who knows? We we will reattempt that <laughs> at some point. I guarantee it. But yeah, the very short version of it was like, yeah, we can definitely try that. But we underestimated how much light actually dies uh, distance-wise underwater. Mm-hmm. So even though I thought I had powerful enough lights, I did not. Um, mm-hmm. I was trying to do it with a GoPro because I didn't have an underwater housing. And I just realized how finicky and wide angle the GoPro actually was that like couldn't get the composition positions that we wanted Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um we didn't have fashion tape which was an issue for our female model uh because Mm -hmm. the clothes were not sitting how we wanted it to uh we remembered to bring uh one set of weight belts but we didn't bring a second one for me so i couldn't even get underwater to meet you um (laughs) there was just a whole list up and down (laughs) there was just a whole list of failures on that shoot that ended with completely unusable footage at the end but it was a really good learning experience and growing experience and it was something creative and interesting to you know just just get that flowing so sometimes you need to go out there and risk risk some failure and just try new things well and sometimes failures are fun like that was a fun shoot even if it didn't really result in anything super exciting or at least anything that we really wanted to show um it was just fun to get together and to try something that was uh literally and figuratively out of our depth so um... <laughs> i see what you did there so it was a good time and so and sometimes that's that's a way maybe to look at failure is even if you do fail it's okay because you probably had a good time you probably learned something there is some um there's some success out of every failure even if that success is hey i know not to do that again um so that's a that's a way around it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So, uh you have photographer's block. Yeah. You are you are stuck. And what are what are some things that you can do to get over it? Well, that kind of depends on what photographer you are, but um maybe a good way to get over this is to change the scene. Um, to go somewhere else. Um, maybe that's going outside to start with. If you if you shoot mostly in a studio environment. Yeah. the The other thing that I really enjoy is just uh, get inspired by something. Go to mm-hmm. a museum or an art gallery or 
you know, uh, a local farmer's market, really just Mm -hmm. anything that is different from the norm that can inspire you, whether that is classical painters or, you know, the different colors in market stalls, Mm -hmm. whatever it is, just kind of going outside, going for a walk, clearing your head, having, being able to get new input that is not the input that you get on a daily basis. Um, those, these are all interesting and creative ways that you can kind of think outside your current thinking. And and right now I realize that going outside or, um, going to a museum or art gallery might be difficult or impossible with the coronavirus situation. I just gave you terrible advice, didn't I? But... But that's okay because people are still people have lots of work online. They still post their work online consistently. Um, you might want to just go and look and search and see what people are doing. Um, maybe keep maybe save some of those things. Keep a a folder or uh, an album somewhere of of work that inspires you that you think is really interesting. Um, maybe you just like looking at it. Maybe you want to replicate it or add some aspect of that work to something you want to try in the future so sure if you have to socially distance um which i feel your pain uh there's still thankfully the internet to help uh expose you to further inspiration we live 20 minutes away from each other and we're still doing this over webcam so if that tells you anything (laughs) and it's very inconvenient (laughs) but uh but yeah it's just something we have to work through and you can still find that inspiration online um and uh, yeah just keep uh keep keep some notes keep some examples of what inspires you and uh build on that over time so that you i absolutely have a folder of stuff that inspires me mm-hmm. and it is everything super random from hyper realistic amazing like hockey sports shots to um a bunch of cool moody boudoir light and shadow type details to just completely weird abstract off the wall stuff um i will say like one campaign that uh i marketing campaign that i absolutely loved was the um what what was that denim jeans be stupid Mm -hmm. um I, i i forget what brand it was now but that be stupid campaign i absolutely loved that campaign to no end um but yeah, what whatever it is that kind of just like sparks creativity and thinking, whether it is, like you mentioned, just a technique, mm-hmm. there are like these boudoir photos and it's like, okay, but unless you have someone in that shape with that lingerie in that room, you're never getting that photo. But what I really like about this is this composition or yep. what I really yep. like about this is the way that the light from the Venetian bl- blinds kind of plays across the face and neck. So whatever it is about that thing, you can take that one thing and then incorporate it into your own work and make something new. Yep. And if your inspiration folder isn't full of Lawa probe videos, then you're doing it wrong. <laughs> please uh, Lawa, send me one of those lenses please we're getting one of these one day yeah we're sponsored or something <laughs> this is ridiculous uh, yeah we're not sponsored by Lawa, unfortunately even though hashtag we bring them not sponsored all the time but yo check out that Lawa probe uh, lens <laughs> and go ch- look at those videos because that's amazing stuff 
Uh, anyway. Anyway, so some other <laughs> things you can do uh, besides, you know, go, just going outside, getting some fresh air, going for a walk, uh, kind of looking at art that is outside photography, whether mm-hmm. that is paintings or sculptures or whatever inspires you. Okay. Uh, something else that's good is sometimes meeting with other photographers. Mm-hmm. So as a photographer, you, I think a lot of us have the tendency to see other photographers as competition or threat and not as friends and input. So if you see other people as, as friends or creative input and you go hang out with them, they are going to have different specialties and backgrounds and skills. So you might pick something up by just kind of being in their vicinity and learning from them. Or you might find something interesting of just a way that they tackle the same subject you do, but you're going to get two different photos because you envision it so you can kind of learn a new way of thinking from them. So there are a lot of good things that you can get by just kind of meeting with and talking with other other photographers. Yep, that's why this podcast exists, because we met and eventually we decided, hey... We've got different skills in things. What should, how should we apply that to something? Let's that do will a lot of cool stuff together. Help yeah. others, and we did lots of projects together. And eventually, I started getting irritating about starting a podcast. And then you said, <laughs> "Okay, let's start a podcast." And I said, "Okay, let's do it." So that's what we're doing. <laughs> there so you sometimes go. Sometimes finding other photographers leads to cool uh, projects that you do together. Um, and even if it doesn't, you're certain to. Um, to learn and find some cool things going on. So it's worthwhile reaching out to others. Yeah, um, kind of on that vein is if you are in an area where you're kind of like, oh, well, I don't know any other photographers, there is a TFP group in your area. So For here sure. in Seattle, um, there's one called SOS. It's Seattle Open Shoots. Um, they are... Uh, they're, I will say in one breath, they are both selective and not selective. If you say, I would like to shoot, great. You can you can go join that group. But they do vetting just to make sure that they can kind of keep out uh, creeps and guys with cameras um, from that group, which uh, I believe we'll be talking about next episode. Yeah, um, we're going to cover the guy with camera. We are going to cover that one. So so uh, everyone in that group uh, has been vetted to some level. Um, mm-hmm. But it's just a good way that you can say, hey, I have this idea. I am in this area. Is there anyone near me that would like to join? And you can uh, meet new interesting people that way. And you can, uh, you know, get all of these people together and do those cool creative projects. Yep. Yep. For sure. The last, I think, thing you can do is to start a project. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you've heard, everyone has heard of a 365 project. You take, like, one photo a day. Uh, yeah. That is overly ambitious, and you will burn out, if not immediately, eventually. I made it to, I think, month 10 before there were one or two days that I was, like, missing. Wow, but even up on. Yeah, I made it pretty far, <laughs> but but even up till that, there were some that were very lazy or last minute, mm-hmm. or it is 11.58, I should take a photo of my, like, feet. Like, yeah. <laughs> just whatever, you, random. You've done better than I have. I think, I, I think the longest 365 project I've attempted, I got maybe six months in, but generally I burn out after a few months. And the problem is, once you miss one time then it's pretty much dead. It's like, a snowball like, effect. Yeah, and you're then like, it just well, I've, dies. Heard, I've screwed yeah. it up, so now I can't do anymore. But 
<laughs> so so uh, one thing yeah. that I did to try and mitigate that is you could also do a 52 project. Mm-hmm. Just one a week makes it a little bit easier, especially for people with work schedules. But um, because of my style of photography is not like as someone who does street photography, they can go spend 20 minutes a day just kind of walking on the street, finding a new interesting composition and snap that and they're done. But my style of photography is to plan and come up with these elaborate sets and backgrounds and costumes and kind of creative concepts. And then to execute that, the day of shoot actually takes a couple of hours. And then uh, there is all of this like Photoshop and compositing and retouching that gets layered on top of that. And you can't do that every day. That's literally not possible. Um, So one of the things that I tried to do is 12 one of these big, huge, crazy projects a month. And that is actually what uh, was born into my pinup calendar. Mm -hmm. I'm like, if I'm going to do one a month, instead of just doing something... Because the thing is, I did that. I did one a month, and they were all completely random, and no one cared. And then I was thinking, like, what is a way that I can kind of continue this? Because that did give me creative juices to get outside my comfort zone and do something. Um, So by giving that a cohesive concept instead of just making 12 random disconnected things, I'm like, oh, I'll do a calendar. It's easy. And then then now I can do this with a purpose and getting other people – um, involved and invested in it because uh, all of my moder- models were excited to be in a calendar and have a calendar. And I got a bunch of people coming out of the woodwork saying, hey, I'll assist you for free because this is fascinating. I want to see what you're doing. I want to kind of learn from you. I would also love to have one of these calendars. Mm-hmm. So just doing something like that, um, it isn't very – like you don't have to make a physical product out of it. You don't have to do a Kickstarter or anything. But just um, – making some cohesive theme for yourself and setting a very low bar. So for me, 12 for in a year is like, that's attainable. That's reasonable. If you set an unreasonable goal, you won't make it yep. and you'll feel like a failure and it'll set you back rather than setting you forward. Agreed. Agreed. Work your way up. Like if you really want to get to a 365, um, yeah, start with the 12, maybe then do a 52. Maybe then you could do a 365, but depending on your work, you shouldn't feel like, you know, 365s are the only option. Um, like like Ben said, you know, he he works on really complicated shoots, and a 12 or maybe a 52, depending on, on what you're working in the space you're working, uh, could make a lot more sense and really fit with your your work and your style better than trying to chase those 365s like so many other people do. So let's assume that you can't do a 365. Let's assume that maybe you can't even do a 52 or a 12. Um, we have uh, we created a list of some challenges that you can give yourself. So there are many, many, many of these lists already on the internet. All you have to do is Google like photography homework or photography challenges or something. And you'll find mm-hmm. everything from the actual like homework assignments of like learn how shutter speed works to learn how that works. Well, if you're a little more advanced and that is not kind of the the skill or talent area where you are, you're like, I already know all that. Uh, we came up with some other interesting challenges that you can kind of give yourself to just help that creative juices. Some of them were homework assignments that I actually had, um, and some of them were were things that I found while I was researching this episode that I thought were helpful. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so one of them is pick a color. So this is another one where you can do a series of them. Again, it doesn't have to be 12. Maybe you do like three or four. So if your first color is green, you just go out and you try and find compositions where you're filling the frame with that color. And then maybe you do red and then maybe you do blue. And so forcing yourself to look for something very specific like that. Um, I mean, you could also do this with, with shapes, but forcing yourself to rather than kind of look at the entire photo or composition or concept and kind of focus on those more graphical elements, it kind of retrains your brain um, on how you look at photographs. And this, especially these color ones or maybe shape ones are a great way. If you're looking for like content to put on your Instagram, for example, it looks super cool. Oh, Instagram loves that. To scroll through. Like if you get this going and you add multiple colors, you do kind of a, you know, a rainbow of, of these one color shoots, uh, then scrolling through your profile is really neat. Like having that kind of consistency. So, um, so this is not only a good challenge, this particular one, but it's also a good way to, to build out your social media a little bit more, something that is challenging and interesting to look at, um, but also has that kind of dual purpose um, that you'll feel good putting on your social media. So I would uh, highly something it. something that I learned when I was uh, in art school and I was doing a lot of drawing. One of my friends told me almost anything looks good from a distance. And you realize that when you actually look at it close up, a lot of it looks like garbage. You see something from a from a wide perspective that's this big, detailed, beautiful, drawn cathedral with all of these little details and everything. And then you get up close to it and you realize all of their lines are crooked and their weights don't line up and the perspective's just a little bit off. But kind of like from a distance, it's fine. And... The reason why I bring this up is because if you do a challenge like this where you're like, I'm going to shoot three green compositions, put them on Instagram, then three yellows, then three reds, then three purples, then three blues, this individual photo itself does not have to be the best mind-blowing, show-stopping photo you've ever taken in your life. Is it okay? Is it good? And does it fit your theme? Great. Throw it up there because as people step back and they look at and scroll that feed, it is going to look gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, um, and plus the whole point, right, is to get you shooting. Like you shouldn't, <laughs> you yeah. shouldn't let your fear of failure, as we talked about, Indeed. prevent you from completing a challenge like this. So uh, as long as you're relatively okay with it, at least okay with it enough to post on Instagram, that's good enough. Like don't overthink it. Um, it's really sure. the experience and the consistency and the, the journey of somebody following along with uh, that challenge than it is about, oh, this is the most perfect green photo I've ever seen. For sure. Yeah. So uh, some other challenges you can do. Um, give yourself something technical that you haven't done before. So if you're a natural light shooter, that could be specifically using lots of flashes. Um for me, I think it would be something like astrophotography. Mm-hmm. What, what, what would be something technical that uh, people can kind of pick up that most people haven't done? Well, I certainly think uh, this is actually something, uh, sneak preview, um, not necessarily for this show, but for us as people. Um, we're uh, noodling on some fun macro uh, shoots. Um, and macro is something that I've shot a, 
a little bit of it that I, a little bit of that I enjoy, but it's still a substantial technical challenge almost any time you do macro, even if you're relatively comfortable with it. So that might be something that would technical that would be good for somebody to break out of their rut a little bit. Um, you know, if you're shooting just consistently portraits or uh, let's say landscapes, um, that kind of stuff, and re kind of reorienting your creative vision around something extremely small scale telling a story at at that kind of scale um could be really interesting for you and don't feel like you need to run out and you know buy a lens for this uh definitely take advantage of of rental it's not that expensive to pick up even really interesting really cool lenses uh for for a weekend Lawa. do something <coughs> like that yeah Lawa probe lens go get one of those uh <laughs> anyway uh so hashtag that... not sponsored <laughs> yeah sadly not Yet. sponsored unfortunately um so that's something to to start with i think is macro is really fun i think it's it can be very rewarding um it's one of those things that even if it's not the most technically perfect photo ever um as long as you got you know a subject you're telling a story you got something in focus it just looks really cool even if it's not the most technically amazing thing ever so that i think is like a a low risk high reward style photography and i don't think that many people do it really i mean yeah there's a lot of macro out there but um at least uh i I might be self-selecting but among the people that i know not very many people do macro so i i think uh macro is something that a lot of beginners kind of get into yeah and they never Um, come back a lot of people start shooting macro Mm -hmm. and then uh once once they do their first portfolio review and you're like yeah don't shoot a bee in a flower because if you shoot a flower it better be the most amazing photo of a flower i've ever seen my entire life otherwise you shouldn't show it yeah yeah. Um, that's, that's just kind of just like flowers, just kind of like, yeah, it's a flower. Like, what did yeah. you do to make this photo special? And so they get that critique and they get pssst, oh, deflated yeah. and then they never go back. Yeah. So yeah, that, that is one of those things that I think you're absolutely right. Not a lot of people do once they've kind of gotten over that hump and yeah. Yeah, if you shot macro in the past and you're like, okay, I'm over that, like you don't have to be over it. You can come back and try yeah. it again. Um, you might be surprised at what you're able to accomplish. Um, and you've learned more now. You'll shoot yeah, it differently you than you did then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, but speaking of kind of uh, finding these objects to shoot, uh, something else that's interesting is find one thing and shoot it 20 different ways. Mm-hmm. So if you have like an apple, you could shoot just a clean white photo of an apple and then you could do a like Renaissance painting version of an apple. And then you could do uh, what if this were an Apple logo version of an apple and then you could do a macro shot of the apple and then you could do the apple like floating in midair and then and and I just listed a bunch of different things. But the thing is, by the time you hit 10, 15, then you're really having to work hard and you're really having to dig deep and flex to get mm-hmm, those mm-hmm. like, okay, I've already shot this one very banal object a bunch of times. What else can I do to make it interesting? Yeah. So so giving yourself a challenge like that where you just take an object and try and shoot as many different versions of it as possible while they all look vastly different, it'll help your lighting, it'll help your composition, it'll help your creativity. For those, sometimes I like to do, um, how could I take this object and make it as unrecognizable as possible without, you know, like totally destroying it? Like, how do you take a photo of an Ooh. apple and, and if, if you told somebody it was an apple, they'd be able to, to, they'd be able to recognize that it is one, but you try to make it as, you know, non, uh, 
uh, non-primed as uh, unrecognizable as possible. That's a, a way I, I like love to go that. about those. So I love that challenge. Yeah, I, I kind of want to try that now. <laughs> yeah, and, and and that that could be one of the twenty different ways, or that could just be its own challenge. Take you know, take an object or uh, or something and try to shoot it in a way that makes it as unrecognizable at first glance, but still is recognizable enough that somebody would say, "Oh." I get it if you told them what they're looking at. Anyway. Uh, I actually have a silhouette photo (laughs) of a couple kissing where it's just the outline. And Mm. I would say it's about 50-50. Half the people who see it say, oh my gosh, that's amazing. I love it. It's so romantic and abstract and amazing. And the other half of people kind of look at it and are like, what is that? Mountains? (laughs) I'm not not getting it. I'm not seeing it. Yeah, It's a fun one. Um, yeah, so so something else along those lines, uh, yeah, shooting abstract, whether that is just a light pattern on a wall or a texture of concrete or um, just like the way that glass blocks kind of diffracts the image behind them. Mm-hmm. Um, just just shooting something that's not necessarily an object, but kind of like art for its own sake, kind of like a more like modern art gallery style of photography um, that. If, because a lot of people aren't used to shooting that. They're used to yeah. shooting very clearly defined subjects. So that's a way that you can kind of open yourself up to, to new compositions and, and new ways of doing things. Yeah. Um, something that I did in art school that I found very helpful, sit your butt in one spot for an hour. See how much you can shoot with, like, one lens in that one spot for an hour. So you'll get the wide shot in front of you, and you'll kind of look up and look down, and then you'll, you know, zoom in, and you'll see, like, oh, that's interesting, and that's interesting. But then you'll really have to force yourself to inspect all the different angles and vantage points and compositions and lines. And when you stare at something long enough, it kind of breaks it down into its parts, um... And it, it, again, it just kind of helps you see things a little bit differently and helps kind of force that creativity. Because after you've been there for 20, 30 minutes, you're like, what am I doing? How many different ways are there to shoot this electrical junction box on a wall? Oh, there mm-hmm. are more. I guarantee it. Mm-hmm. There are always more. I'm kind of a little bit more for you for you video shooters out there, just because I'm a video guy frequently, is um, do a shoot inspired by music. We talked about inspiration before from other uh, artists, photographers, you know, art, painting, uh, sculpture, whatever, um, pick a song uh, and and do a shoot inspired by that. Now, you could totally do a still shoot inspired by a song too. You know, make a, um, kind of make a gallery, not necessarily this needs to be a public gallery, but a gallery that you, that you, where you're inspired by a, a piece of music, you listen to that piece of music and, and scroll through all these stills that you've made. But you could also do a essentially a, a a music video right that's kind of what i'm getting at at the end of the day is is you take a, a song piece of music that you really enjoy and shoot some video around that and cut it to the music and uh, it's likely copyrighted so you likely can't uh, post it anywhere or show it to <laughs> anybody online you only it only have to be an in-person kind of thing but it might stretch your abilities as an editor. It might stretch your abilities to to shoot a video and tell a story around this piece of music. Uh, it could be a very fun one to do if you're if you're mostly you know shooting other stuff. You're doing like corporate videos, interviews, yeah. that sort of stuff. Try something a little bit more, a little bit more abstract, a little bit more creative around a piece of music. 
And and for those of you who have absolutely no interest in shooting video, this still applies. You can oh, pick yeah. a song and you can listen, and maybe it's a single lyric, or maybe it's like the way a riff makes you feel, and you want to mm. evoke that feeling through a photo, or maybe it's kind of the the overall arcing theme of a song that you want to kind of express, or you might take a song and do it more literal, mm-hmm. um, on an iron horse. I ride cool. Let's do like a cool, like night steel steampunk horse thing. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> there's so many different things that you can do. Um, I, yeah, I love shooting to music. Actually, when I'm editing, I have to listen to music that matches the style and feel of the thing I'm editing. Um, other, otherwise my editing is just a little bit off. Um, that, that's a really good one. I like that one. Super powerful. Um, something else you can do uh, is give yourself a restriction. Mm, So whether that is, I'm only allowed to shoot with this one prime lens, or I have to shoot black and white, or, uh, I have to shoot in manual mode, or I have to shoot low key or high key, or I'm only allowed to shoot things that are above my eye level or below my eye level. Um, you, you get the idea. Uh, I'm only allowed to fill the frame. I have to get very close and the entire subject has to fill every single pixel. Um, or, uh, so if you're shooting like a person, if you've seen the beauty editorials where they're showing like the makeup and everything that fills the entire camera frame, mm-hmm. um, uh, or you have to do negative space. At least, you know, 75% of the frame has to be, like, empty or void or non-subject. There are a lot of these different uh, self-imposed restrictions you can do to kind of force that creativity. Um, and, yeah, you'll be it's, – it's a little bit, you know, contrived, but that's kind of the point. And you're mm-hmm. forcing yourself to find something interesting within that restriction. Yeah. Sometimes choices are paralyzing. Uh, you're like, well, I could do anything, so what can I do? It's like, well, take all of that away. I can only do this one thing, so figure That's it true. out. That's true. When, yeah. when, you have, when you have everything at your disposal, you don't know where to start. That is choice paralysis. Exactly. Um, and I, it's, it's like anyone who's ever tried you know, shopping for something online, and they're like, well, there are a hundred different things I can buy. At some point, yeah. you just got to be like, nope, it's going to be one of these. And this is easier early on when you don't have as much gear and you are kind of restricted by default. Um, but it's it's easy in photography to kind of forget your roots, forget the restrictions you used to have um, when you, uh, if you're lucky enough that you can, you have a decent amount of gear, lighting, cameras, lenses. Um, it's you get that you know like like we've said the the uh, choice paralysis, uh, and this is kind of a get back to your roots give yourself uh only one thing that you're allowed to do and and be creative and and uh put yourself back in that headspace i I I think it's a good thing to do regularly potentially you know something that i saw when i was researching uh beginners never get photographer's block Mm -hmm. because it means that you're being picky and selective about your work so yep, when you're a beginner yep. and you're 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 not self-editing and you're just kind of doing everything, you don't have photographer's block because you can shoot anything and everything, and it's all fair game. Mm-hmm. But it it really is like once you get experienced experienced enough to be picky and selective about not only the things you show but the things that you are even think are worth picking up your camera for. Um, that is that already shows kind of a level of expertise and confidence that like I am this high. What else is there for me to do? Yep. So yep. I I thought that was really interesting. 
It's a good one. Yeah, uh, it, it's uh, it's that um, I don't know. I feel like any you know almost any hobby, any skill um, when you're when you're at the beginning and you and you don't. It seems like an infinite space that you can expand into. It's so easy to just kind of run in any direction and feel excited about that. But you start to, it's uh, it's uh, kind of unfortunate. You start to close yourself off as you know more about something, and uh, that really can get you stuck long term. So yeah, putting yourself in that, in that you know either restrictive sense or putting yourself in the thought, uh, in the mindset of a beginner, um, can help you get unstuck. All right, I think this has been an amazing episode, but I do have kind of one last uh, mm-hmm. challenge that you can give yourself uh, before before we sign off for this week. So give yourself a client brief. So if you are an experienced photographer or a full-time photographer, um, give yourself a brief that you would love to have. So you're like, I would love to be hired by Nike, but I only get hired by, you know, all of these real estate agents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, mm-hmm. then grab grab your Nike shoes and do something as if that company hired you. So you can create an ad campaign or you can, uh, when a client hires you and they give you a brief, they will have a list of this is what we want. These are the restrictions. And part of that is like concept shoot. But the other part of that could be just, um, I mean, you can even ask your friend of like, pretend you work for, um, Canon. You, I need to show off something new and interesting about their new lens. What, what ad should I do? And the, they give you a pitch and you're like, Hmm, I don't know how to do that. Well, too bad. You just got hired. You got to figure it out. Mm-hmm. So giving yourself a client brief um, also helps kind of flex that creativity and muscles uh, in between your clients. Uh, mm-hmm. Because if you aren't shooting anything and you aren't flexing those muscles, you have to give yourself something to do. Yep. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. That can really bring out a lot of creativity. You know, like let's say uh, uh, like for the, the Canon example, you know, uh, this lens uh, it's autofocus is faster than any other lens that we've built before. Um, show that, uh, uh, show potential buyers that speed, uh, that might be really hard to do, right? Like how do you, how do you show the speed of a lens? I mean, yeah, anybody can, can kick up the the shutter speed and, and freeze motion, but that's super boring. So like, how would you show, something as abstract as this lens uh, can focus quickly uh, in a creative way. Um, I I think actually my favorite ad campaign, I want to say it was Sony, but Mm -hmm. their eye detection. Do you remember that one? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was, and it was like, there's one clear person sitting in a room, but then there are like 15 other little boxes behind them. And it's like the cat and the person across the street. And Um, so yeah, there's, there's so many different ways that you can fulfill a creative brief. Um, and that, that just helps kind of lift you up and, and give you something to do and help get you out of your current rut. Um, I think sometimes definitely when I've been in a rut, uh, the thing that has gotten me out of it is having something to do. So I get into a rut if there's a long stretch without clients or if there's, um, you know, I, I just shot a bunch of stuff and my next wedding isn't for another three months. Like, what do I do type thing? Um, that definitely happens over the winter. Um, 
So, yeah, and especially with COVID right now, I think a lot of us have been sitting at home not shooting a lot. Yeah. So I, I, I feel like this is this is a good, appropriate uh, one to talk about because yeah. I myself have not actually had any clients yeah. for several months because all my weddings got canceled. And along those lines, like, uh, I, I feel like I have to share this. If you're like many of us going through coronavirus and you have had you haven't had the output that you've wanted you've wanted to or you've you thought that this time would be great to learn something or make something or have some sort of output and you haven't had that happen uh it's okay we're all kind of paralyzed by this situation right now and you shouldn't feel guilty that you're under the same you know stress the same kind of paralysis of coronavirus that we're all experiencing and um don't uh certainly take this show this show that we've discussed today as as inspiration as a way for you to to break out um of that and don't do not take it as us criticizing we are right there with you we have had a heck of a time having any creative uh uh, you know, output. <laughs> exceptional output at all. Take, um, taking care of yourself and yeah. your physical health and your mental health is more important than creativity and output. Exactly. Um, that is that is the next level on that hierarchy mm-hmm. of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so exactly when you are for. ready, when you are ready yeah. to get back to being creative and you, you feel up and energized and you're like, I'm going to do something today. I'm just not sure what. Come back to this episode. Give us a listen, and we hope that you find it helpful and uplifting and uh, help kind of get get you back going on that journey. Exactly. Yeah, we'll get through this. It's okay that it takes some time. Um, There's time for creativity, and uh, definitely feel, you know, focus on yourself, feel better first, get in the space that you're ready to do this, and then, uh, then you can flex some of that creativity and make some cool stuff. And uh, I'm sure we both are wishing everybody out there the best during this strange time and we hope that you all um, come out of it uh, with some creativity in your pocket and a bright outlook on the future so thank you so much for listening that was beautiful and we'll (laughs) see you next week if you have questions or ideas for future episodes you can email us at hello at photo dash op Watch us on Ben's YouTube channel at NomCreative. As in Om Nom Nom. Share this with a friend and you can listen to Photo Op anywhere podcasts are sold. Or download it. Because it's free.